Folks, welcome into the Trainwreck Sports Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host tonight, Ty B, and we got some guy named Steve joining me here once again. We've got a ton to talk about here, the guys you must add, the guys to buy low, and the guys to sell high on. Plus, we got some other talk. But Steve, it's been an interesting few weeks here at baseball. We're pretty much at the halfway mark. Any big surprise for you there in the standings? Any big uh, surprise player-wise, number one? I mean, I have to start with Shohei Otani, just what he's doing as a two-way player. You know, I always thought the ceiling was high for him, but he's exceeded even my expectations. He hit his 32nd home run of the year today. He's got 12 steals, 87 strikeouts as a pitcher. He's doing everything. He was the first player ever to be nominated as an all-star, both as a batter and a pitcher. It's incredible what he's doing. And if the Angels get, you know, Trout back, he's he's starting a rehab assignment soon. It, they could maybe, maybe make a move in the AL West. I mean, we'll see. They've always, you know, been disappointing year after year. But I also got to say, too, you know, I'm the Cardinals fan. It, I, I don't know about blowing up the whole season, but the Cardinals have been one of the biggest disappointing teams to me just because of what they kind of teased starting off the year. Looked like a playoff team. They were top of the NL Central early on by four or five games. Now they find themselves about eight games back to the Milwaukee Brewers, who have been very good, you know, depending on starting pitching. But it's just been the Cardinals' bullpen that has let them down. And I think the last team that really has caught my eye has been the San Francisco Giants. No one expected the Giants to do what they're doing. They got a bunch of no-namers. I bet you could, you know, ask a common baseball fan. They couldn't name, you know, three, four players on the Giants. But it's just timely hitting. Kevin Gossman has turned into that ace that they needed. And the Giants, could they be? I mean, they look to be a threat, right, with the Dodgers and the Padres for the NL West. That will be a fun race to watch. Yeah, for me, it's an ALE state of mind, and it's not just for the Blue Jays. Um, one for the team, the Red Sox, did not expect them to be this good at this point. Um, you know they have some uh, other young guys coming up, like Blaze Jordan, Jeter Downs, uh, uh, Duran, uh, a few other names that like we're going to have to be looking out for, but you didn't expect them to have the success right away after they sort of gutted that team. You thought it's going to be sort of a re repeat of last season, but they really turned things around. They've been hitting the ball very well, getting some very good pitching, um, and – We'll see how this AL East race is going to play out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Rays just a couple games back, and the Blue Jays have been pushing to catch up behind them. And the Yankees are always right there, so you never know. And this most surprising player for me is right there at the bottom of the standings on the Baltimore Orioles. Cedric Mullins been absolutely insane this year, still hitting over 320 and home runs, stolen bases, doing a little bit of everything, getting on base an absolute ton. Just been a machine for a very, very bad Orioles team. But, you know, let's get into some of the best players like Cedric Mullins, the all-star team. He's probably the biggest snub in this entire thing when we look at it. And it's not because he didn't make the team. It's just because he's not a starter. But, you know, looking at the rest of it, there's not too much you can say negatively. Um, but you have uh, four Blue Jays make it, three starters, which was the most of any team, with Vladdy, um, Teoscar Hernandez, and um, Marcus Simeon, who's actually leading all uh, positional players in war so far, Steve. Yeah, and you can't forget to mention Bo Bichette, who's not starting. But you look at that, you know, besides Simeon, I mean, he's, he's kind of middle age. But Teoscar Vlad, Bo, 
super young guys. These guys are young, and the future is very bright for the Blue Jays. We were talking earlier before this, Ty. They just need to get, you know, a couple pieces, a couple pitchers, and they can make a legit run. But the Blue Jays' young studs are guys that, you know, have really jumped off the page to me. But as well as that, if you stay in the AL, a guy who, you know, I think he's 27 years old, Jared Walsh, having a breakout season for the Los Angeles Angels. He was probably drafted late or just a free agent pickup in most leagues. He's the number yeah, I, I was lucky enough to get him in a few months. He's the number three first baseman right now in fantasy baseball. Been tearing the cover off the ball. I think he hit two more home runs today. Yeah, he's not slowing down. And I, th- that's kind of what I love about baseball is every year, guys just kind of come out of nowhere and have breakout seasons. And we're seeing that with Walsh right now. We're also kind of seeing in the AL the resurgence of the Houston Astros, kind of showing that, hey, we don't need the trash cans to be good unless they're using them again. Who, who would know? But, you know, you got Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, just all having great hitting years. And then you look on the NL side and really the the big one for me in the NL is no one's kind of talking about Adam Frazier, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who has kind of who, who was turned into one of the best, like pure, you know, hitters. He's kind of the NL's version of like a Michael Brantley, where it's just he doesn't strike out, he puts the ball in play every time. He's a good fielder. And you got, you know, you got other guys too. You got your big names, Tatis, Acuna. But I like looking for those middle of the road guys, especially in the All-Star game that the common fan doesn't really know. And you mentioned in the AL, you got Cedric Mullins. I would say the NL version of that is kind of Adam Frazier. And then it's a perfect segue for me right here. We're going to look at Jesse Winker, a Buffalo native, Steve, but a guy you're going to have in one of your buy low, sell high. I'm not going to say it for you yet, but looking at Jesse Winker, a great year, great power numbers there for Cincinnati. Dude's just been absolutely mashing the ball. And it's, it's a guy who wasn't like necessarily a, top heralded prospect but has really grown and has shown like what development can be within the major leagues um just like some of these other names we've mentioned but steve let's get started here what is it your buy low or sell high how are you feeling about jesse winker let's start with the sell high for jesse winker and i know i i like jesse winker don't get me wrong i have him in a bunch of leagues but here's the deal right now. Jesse Winker on the year, he's got great season-long numbers, slashing 306, 389, 559, 19 home runs, 49 RBIs. And my biggest reasoning last week or two weeks ago on my sell high was Michael Brantley. My biggest reasoning wasn't that I dislike Brantley, wasn't that I think he's a bad baseball player, is that I think he's playing a little bit above his head and you can get good value for him. With Jesse Winker, that's kind of the same deal. And we've kind of seen over the past month, he's slipped a little bit. He's in a little bit of a slump, batting 217, only two home runs, 12 RBIs. And he's only got one extra, or sorry, one hit in all of July with no extra base hits. The big reason, though, I want to sell high on Jesse Winker, and it's kind of scaring me, is he's not hitting lefties whatsoever. On the year against lefties in 76 at-bats, he's only batting 184 with only a 237 slugging and just one home run. And he's starting to sit the bench against lefties. He sat the past couple games when there's been a lefty on the mound, and that's kind of concerning for me going forward because, you know, when you get into the playoff push, you want guys to play every day in your lineup. 
And Jesse Winker's season-long numbers look like an absolute stud. He's still top 15 in the player Raider. He's still going to get you good value in return, and that's why I think you should sell high on him. There aren't many guys in baseball that can hit for a 300 average with as much power as Jesse Winker has. And his average was up around 340, 350 early in the year. It's kind of came back down to earth. His BABIPs kind of came down a little bit. He's only batting right around 300 now. I could see him finish the year around 260, 270 average. It's just because of such struggles against lefties and, you know, his stats are starting to come back down to earth. I would say before the season-long numbers start to get a little worse, trade him now while it looks like he's an absolute stud because at one point, Ty, his numbers were very similar to Vlad's where he had the high average and the high power. And people will pay a lot for that. I think you could get a good deal for Jesse Winker right now. Now, don't sell him for, you know, a nobody. But I think Winker's someone you could package if you want to get a real stud going forward. Yeah, mine is sort of in the same breath because um, he's a guy I'm worried about going forward a little bit. Didn't have to go on the IL with his injury, but Jose Ramirez has been dealing with some elbow issues. And, you know, playing third base, he's going to be asked to make a lot of big throws across that diamond and throws that you have to be uh, sounded with your body. And it's going to put a lot of toll on your elbow, especially if they try to press him a little bit. If some teams decide to play some small ball to see how his arms feel and see if he can throw on the bunt on a, on a charge, um, I think, you know, that'd be a good opportunity, especially with some of these shifts. Can you beat the shift, do that on him, and you're going to be forcing to make some very tough plays with that arm. And coming off that injury today in the doubleheader, um, as we're recording on Thursday, oh for or on uh, Wednesday here, oh for six, Steve. Um, not yeah. the numbers you want. Decent, you know, performance coming back yesterday, two for four. But um, you know, taking a step back, and it's, it's sort of something we've seen from his performances in past seasons, where he's been closer to a three hundred hitter on the season. He's um, he can hit for a better contact than he is this season, only 272 on on the year. Um, so I think, you know, he's still the second ranked uh, third baseman in the SPN league. So you can get a ton for him if you need to go get an arm. He's He could be a guy if you have someone else at third base because third base is a pretty deep position here in fantasy this year, Steve. Yeah, and if bringing up Jose Ramirez, you know, I think it was last year or – well, into last year and the year before, he was in that massive slump where he was batting around 160. You know, within injury concerns, he could be headed that way again. I don't think he'll ever get that bad. But Jose Ramirez right now is someone who, like you said, has great season-long numbers. He's done it for years, but you could get a lot for him right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now looking at my buy low, Steve, I'm going to the pitching side of things. With Ian Anderson, just five and four on the year, but that doesn't really tell the full story here. It's been the Braves as, as a whole, kind of, you know, like very, very weird things happening with yeah. them. Hopefully they can string together some wins because they're a team you and I both like to bet on. But um, he still had a 327 ERA overall, which is good, and a whip, you know, in the one ones. But over his last six starts, a 2.62 ERA, 1.14 whip, 29 strikeouts to just nine balls or nine uh, base on balls. Um, so th- the way he's been pitching lately, he's just had great command. I think he's only given up more than three runs once in that, in those last six games besides that and pretty much shutting things down. And he's getting those quality starts now too. He's getting seven innings. He's getting those six innings to get to that quasi. So if he's able to do that for you, um, 
you know, going forward here, um, he's a great lefty arm. I think he can get you a lot there. Um, I, I think he's a good a, a candidate you can get. Um, that's not a top, you know, two or three pitchers on someone's roster that you can go and grab and not have to give up one of your best batters or something like that in a move. Yeah, and we saw kind of what a preview of the ceiling is for Anderson last year in the playoffs. I mean, he was an absolute stud. And he really he does have that swing and miss potential where it's just fixing a few things and he could turn into, you know, one of the best pitchers going forward. Not to mention, Ty, he's he's super young, right? He's only gonna get better as the year goes on. But I'm going with another uh, NLE's pitcher for my buy low, and it's Aaron Nola. And you may be thinking to yourself, you know, is Aaron Nola really a buy low? Well, if you're an Aaron Nola owner, you're probably willing to trade him at this point in the year. He's six and five on the year. He's got a four five three ERA, a one two one WHIP. He's got a lot of a lot of strikeouts, 126 strikeouts and only 101 innings. But Nola, the, he's just been so inconsistent this season. And like I said. NOLA owners are probably super frustrated with him because he's either throwing a great outing or he's getting blown up. And if you look at like the underlying numbers, his FIP is 347. He has a career 343 FIP. And before this season, NOLA was kind of Mr. Boring, Mr. Consistent starting pitcher. You know, he'd go six, seven innings, give up, you know, two, three runs, strike out five, six batters every single start. He'd just be great for you. And this year he's all over the place, but he's getting a little unlucky. His opposing Babbitt this year is 333 opposed to his, you know, career of like 290. So those should kind of go down as the year progresses. And he's, I think he's pitching almost as good as he did in his seasons where he flirted with the Cy Young. He's got his lowest walk rate of his career, just 5.4%, his second highest strikeout rate of his career. And if you look at his last five starts, I mean, this shows just how crazy and consistent he is. Seven and two-thirds, no runs, nine Ks versus the Yankees. Then he goes two and a third, gives up six, and strikes out one versus the Giants. The very next start, five and a third, no runs, strikes out 12 against the Mets. And then the weirdest start of them all, four and two-thirds, seven runs and 11 strikeouts versus the Marlins. You follow that up with his most recent start, six innings, four earned, eight strikeouts against the Cubs. He did get the win in that one. But it's just been so up and down. It's been a roller coaster of a season. And more than likely, the NOLA owner is frustrated at this point because you can't keep throwing out a guy who you drafted as your ace. He's probably drafted in the third, second round in most leagues. You can't draft a guy who's you know going to give you that outing where it's like, oh, this is seven scoreless. This is what I drafted him for. And then the very next start, he gets up six runs and blows up your weak ERA. Aaron Nola is a guy I think who's going to start to kind of level out and he's going to get back to the ace pitcher we all know him to be. And he's got really bad season-long numbers in terms of whip and ERA, which you can kind of target that. And I think you can get Nola at a bargain right now who has notoriously been a better pitcher in the second half of season in his career. Absolutely. And we do know that the Phillies the past few seasons have not been very good defensively, yeah. so that's going to happen a little bit. If he's able to keep some of those balls out of play a little bit more, get that K rate up maybe some, I think that's absolutely what he can do and um, take some big steps forward. But let's look at the waiver wire here. Guys you should be targeting to pick up on your roster. Um, 
first guy I'm looking at here made his debut here today in the doubleheader for the Tampa Bay Rays. Don't know. I forgot to check what his uh, own rate was at. He was real low earlier, I think. Just yeah, it was super low. low. Um, he's the second-ranked prospect in Tampa's system behind Wander Franco, just 23 years old, been hitting 260, nine home runs, uh, with 15 stolen bases down there and in the AAA, um, over 290 batting average um, across his minor league career, a guy that can hit for power, a guy that can get you some doubles, some triples. He's going to have a decently high slugging percentage. So um, as long as he's able to avoid the strikeouts, which happens to a lot of these young batters when they come up to the league, um, you know, their first time. So if he's able to do that, cut down on that, um, hopefully he'll be a very good player, especially if you're in a deep league. He's a guy that you might want to get on your roster now because if he ends up sticking, um, he's someone you're going to want around because he can get you, you know, a ton of different categories. He's going to be a category stuffer for you. Uh, one for six today, got a hit on his first at-bat, which you'd love to see, and got an RBI on that. So coming through clutch. Hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more out of that hit from him over the next few weeks here, Steve. Yeah, and, and Vital Bruhan, he's a guy who, like you said, he has that power-speed combo. And my biggest concern with him, which I talked to you earlier today, was just playing time. Will he have playing time? And we saw game one, he played second base. Game two, he was in the outfield and made a great catch in right field. He's a guy, if he stays in the lineup regularly, talent is not the question with Bruhan. It's playing time. And if if the Rays can find a way to get him and Wander Franco in the lineup consistently on an everyday basis, I would absolutely recommend picking him up. Yeah, which makes me worried about the uh, Blue Jays' chances for the wild card. <laughs> Might have to catch the Red Sox too, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see on that one. Steve, though, who's your first target this week? So I'm kind of going with a guy who was on the race, and he's no longer on the race, and it's Willie Adames. And he was traded to the Brewers about midway through the year because of Bruhan and Wander Franco. You know, get, they needed room for them. So they had, hey, we got to trade this guy. He plays middle infield. You know, he's struggling right now. Let's trade him with the Brewers, get some pieces, because there's really no role for him in our future. And Adames on the Rays was miserable. He batted 197, 254 on base. His slugging was 370, 51 strikeouts to just 10 walks in 40 games or 41 games. But since he's been in the Brewers, he's found new life. He's batting 298 with a 380 on base, a 550 slugging. He's got eight home runs, 14 doubles, 29 RBIs. And his Ks have gone down a little bit. In the 42 games there, only 39 strikeouts. Really good for Adamas, who's been notorious for striking out a lot in his MLB career. But this is the big thing. I mean, everything has increased. His hard hit rate has gone up 5% since the trade. The exit velocity has gone up 2.5 miles per hour. His walk rate's gone up 5%, and his strikeout rate's gone down 13%. Every type of hitting metric has gone in the right direction for Adames since this trade. And sometimes, Ty, we've seen guys, it's just a matter of, you know, location or just being familiar. And maybe he didn't like hitting in Tropicana. Maybe he couldn't see the ball too well. Since he's moved to Milwaukee, he's been phenomenal. He's been playing like an all-star and I expect it to continue. And he's another guy, too, who can he can get a few steals for you. He can get a lot of power. He's going to hit for a lot of extra base hits. And no one's really talking about him. He's owned in just a little less than half of ESPN leagues right now. 
And a lot of people have dropped him because of how much he struggled in the beginning of the year. He may be available in your league, and no one's really looking at him because the season-long numbers aren't that special. But what he's done in Milwaukee has been like an all-star caliber player. Absolutely, and that's a great angle right there. A guy that even if he's rostered on another team, if someone's not paying attention, not playing him, you might be able to get him off their hands. Yeah. They're a bench guy for them, and you need someone especially to step in at shortstop. A position that is not always the most offensive uh, position. But um, my next guy here is one at one of those positions that's not an offensive position, Eric Haas, and he provides versatility with center and outfield um, addition now to his um, position. So over his last week, four home runs, 11 RBIs, hit 389 over those games, and he's found his way here into the everyday lineup whether he's catching um, or in the outfield. And if he's able to do that, then when you look at this and you look at someone, say, like Will Smith, who's barely been getting, like, he's getting, like, 50-50 split. Um, yeah. It's tough. So, like, when you're going to get Eric Haas, if he's able to start playing every day and can continue um, even what he's been doing on for the season, hitting 252, um, now that he's going to be getting more playing time that he's played himself into – um, if he's able to stretch that out over the rest of the year, it's better than some of these other options because he has that versatility to play a second position and to be in the lineup on a more everyday basis, which is huge with catchers. Without question. And I, I think I talked about Eric Haas probably four weeks ago as a guy who's just kind of red hot, who you want to stream at the time and just drop him when he gets cold. And he got cold for a little bit, but he's hitting the ball a lot better now. And he's kind of forced the Tigers' hand to where they are playing him almost regularly now in the outfield and a catcher. And that's my big thing with catchers. So many guys aren't even worth rostering a catcher because it's been such a bad position the past five years. If you can get a guy who's really not who doesn't even have a catcher exactly and and i i did that a few years ago but if you can get a player like eric Koss, who is basically free right now he's available in most leagues who's Only going to get leagues. yeah and he's gonna get every day at bats you're already at an advantage i would rather roster eric Haas, who's gonna play six of seven you know games a week than a you know a stud catcher people drafting early in years that are playing three four games a week you're getting the extra at bats you're getting the extra counting stats and he's been mashing the ball the past couple of months the tigers have said hey we're gonna find ways to get this guy in the lineup He's not just going to be, you know, a split catcher. We want him to play when he doesn't catch, and they're throwing him in the outfield. I love that pickup. And the Tigers have been hitting decently better as yeah. a team. So Haas will get more RBI opportunities. You saw early in the year, I think at one point he had eight home runs and 11 RBIs, so a lot of solo shots. But I think he'll be able to get some more opportunities. Akil Badu has been hitting very, very well, um, too, over the last little stretch. But, Steve, who is your last target here before we get out of here? So I'm, I'm going to go with Joe Ross and I'm a little skeptical to give out Joe Ross just because he has been just one of those pitchers every year where you begin to trust him and then he falls apart. And I had a long, you know, I was watching him for a long time, probably this past month. I was like, do I give out Joe Ross as a pickup? Do I give him out? He's been pitching well. And I just didn't want to pull the trigger, but I'm finally doing it. His last start, he struck out 11 batters against the Dodgers. And he forced me to say, hey, pick him up. On the year, he's 5-8 and eight with a 4 ERA, a 1-2 whip. 
but he's got 91 strikeouts in 87 innings. That's his best K rate that we have seen from him. And we're kind of seeing improvements in all aspects of Joe Ross's game this year or over the past, you know, monthish. In June alone, he was three and two with a 1.95 ERA, a .93 WHIP, and 33 strikeouts in 32 innings. And Joe Ross, over you know the past three years, was not a strikeout you know per inning type of pitcher. He really wasn't. He was a pitcher to contact, and he was getting hit hard a lot. But if we remember his first two seasons, he only pitched you know 16 starts a year. But he was really good as a rookie, and in his second year. And it may have just been, you know, kind of tweaking some things, figuring things out because he's getting a lot more strikeouts over the past month. He's getting a lot more swing and misses and his stuff just looks better. His K rate is 24.7% this year, which is a good K rate for a free agent ad. And his opposing batting average is 234. He's not giving up as hard of hits and he struggled big time at the beginning of the year, but he's actually over the past month and a half been a top 20 starting pitcher. And believe it or not, he's available in 66% of leagues because no one wants to trust Joe Ross. But here's the thing I say all the time with pickups. There's no risk. If you need a pitcher, pick up Joe Ross. If he struggles, then drop him. Who cares? It's Joe Ross. No one's going to rush to the waiver wire to grab him. But right now, I don't want to miss out on those strikeouts. I believe it was 11, 9, 7, 8 the past four starts. He's striking out everybody. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark. And his ERA, I mean, it's a sub-2 ERA in over you know, his last six starts. I mean, you're not going to find that in free agency. So don't even look at the season-long numbers. What he's doing right now, hop on and see if he continues to ride. It's a big thing. You always got to check their recent performances, weigh that against the entirety of the season, especially now that we're a few months into it, Steve. We're getting a full sample size. And some guys just get hot. Sometimes it's yeah. just an anomaly early on in the season. Sometimes they figure things out or sometimes vice versa. And you've got to be able to make those adaptations throughout the season. And that's why you need to tune in to the Trainwreck Sports Fantasy Baseball Podcast weekly here throughout the season to give you the best opportunity to win in fantasy baseball every week. Shout out to Steve for all the research and hard work he does. Going to be having more articles every week over at trainwrecksports.com telling you who to pick up and giving you usually as players of the week and some a few other things. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. And something else we got big in the works, make sure you guys get to Amherst Ale House this Saturday for UFC 264. Poirier McGregor, we're going to be there with Trainwreck Sports, obviously. And there's going to be a ton of people, no cover charge, nothing like that, just 21 and up. And it's going to be an absolute unbelievable time, a huge fight. Um, bunch of big names on this card, Steve. Absolutely cannot wait for this one. Yeah, it's going to be a great one. Uh, I'll make sure to tune in to see what Slick has for Slick's picks. <laughs> it's absolutely going to be a Slick Saturday, but uh, that'll do it for us here at the Trainwreck Sports Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Make sure you guys get out to that waiver wire. Make sure you make, a, make those pickups. We're not giving them out for free. We're giving them out for you guys to win some money in these leagues make sure you guys do that good night now